Hi, my name's Rhoda Dakar, and you're listening to the Stateside Madness Podcast. Hi there, folks, out there. I'd like you to meet Tommy McGuire's combo. Hello, and welcome to the Stateside Madness Podcast, the one and only podcast of the official Madness American fan service. I'm Lori, along with my co-host, Polly, here to bring you news, reviews, and deep dives into the nutty sound of the British pop band Madness. Well, hello and welcome to our first episode of 2023. I'm Lori. And I'm Polly. Happy New Year, Polly. And Happy New Year to you too, Lori. How are things by you? Things are great and feeling good after a little break for us and happy to be back recording new episodes and uh, excited, not excited about this one. Yeah. What we're doing today, uh, Terry Hall, who was the lead singer of the specials, among other bands, passed away on December 19th. And so today we'd like to do a little bit of a retrospective slash tribute to Terry Hall. This is related to Madness in that the specials and Madness were label mates on the two-tone record label. They did tour together, the film Dance Craze, they both appeared in together. So there is a relationship there. Yeah, that there is. And, you know, let's face it, uh, Madness fans are purists in a lot of senses, but uh, not so when it comes to the specials. There's a lot of love for the specials in the entire Madness community. And, of course, a certain um, amount of that directed directly to Terry. So, yeah, we couldn't. Uh, you know, we had other things planned, but uh, we couldn't uh, just be like, oh, well, let's uh, not acknowledge this. We definitely we definitely felt it. It hit really hard and uh, we weren't going to not do an episode. Yes. Yeah, so before we do talk about Terry, let's do the communicator. So Madness has announced some upcoming CD reissues, and these are both coming out on February 24th, 2023. So one of them is going to be a two CD reissue of the album Absolutely, which includes bonus tracks, plus the Hammersmith Odeon show from 1980 and new liner notes from Chris Foreman and Lee Thompson. The other release, also coming on February 24th, is the Dangerman Sessions Volume 1. Now, this one is going to include six bonus tracks that weren't on the original album, including two of my favorites, Vietnam and In the Hall of the Mountain King, plus new liner notes, including an interview with Mike Barson, Chris Foreman, and Mark Bedford. So that's coming up next month. And I'll be looking forward to that. Having just gotten the LP recently, um, it's uh, it's uh, frustrating slash really happy that uh, they've got to put one more thing out with 
unreleased tracks. So I'm forced to buy now um, the absolutely CD, and I don't tend to buy CD, but I got to get that Hammersmith Odeon show. And then, of course, Dangerman. I own, you know, Hall of the Mountain King Vietnam, but there's four I don't own. I better buy that too. So you're welcome. You're getting all my money. Um, speaking of all my money, uh, dance craze. And a lot of people have heard this. This won't be that much news to folks. But dance craze, finally, finally, finally going to be remastered, released on DVD and Blu-ray. And a deluxe soundtrack that's all coming on the 27th of March. Now, our friend Donald, the stateside madness poet laureate, except he doesn't do poetry. Well, he actually does a little bit in there somewhere, doesn't he? Anyways, yes. he's he's got an interesting article on that. So look for Donald's article on that on statesidemadness.com. All right, so now we have some birthdays we have to acknowledge. First of all, the day that you and I are recording, Polly, January 2nd, is our dear friend Nick Woodgate's birthday. Nick has been a longtime supporter of Stateside Madness, and we in turn like to support him and his music. So check him out online, the JoJo Man Band. Happy birthday, Nick. Absolutely. Yes, happy birthday, Nick. We're really happy to be acquainted with you and call you friend to the show. He is just such a nice, nice man. Just biggest heart of anybody I've ever met. So we love you, Nick. Up next in a couple of days on January 13th, 1961. Of course, it is the birthday of our main man, Suggs. So happy to be uh, welcomed into the madness camp here at Stateside Madness, and hey, we should talk. Yeah, Suggs, if you're listening, we want to interview you. So what? he's turning, what, 62? Don't ask me to do math. Okay, all right. Pretty sure he's turning 62. And then, the day after Suggs' birthday, we have Chess Smash. Carl Smith is turning 64 on January 14th. Not with the band currently, but still very much beloved by Madness fans everywhere, including myself. So happy birthday, Carl. Of course. Yes. Happy birthday. I believe Carl's uh, hanging out in Spain these days. So let's hope that Stateside Madness podcast reaches there, too. Ibiza, right? Isn't he? In a, yeah, in Spain. Uh, yeah, yeah. Don't ask me to pronounce anything. <laughs> no. OK, so I'm making a list here. No math, no pronunciations. I'm making a list of things I'm not allowed to ask you to do. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Can I ask you to wrap up the communicator? Uh, yeah, let's do that. So again, our topic today is the late Terry Hall, who is, I guess, what we would consider madness adjacent, especially his work with the specials. So I found a quote from a biographer, Stephen Thomas Erlewine, who said, in the strictest sense, Terry Hall isn't a musician. 
He doesn't play an instrument and his singing is generally flat and detached. But Hall is a great pop star with a perfect look, a coolly laconic voice, and a knack for anticipating pop trends. And I thought that that just really kind of sums up Terry Hall to me very, very nicely. Yes, and that quote uh, really does uh, justice to Terry because he is not the standard sort of pop star or rock star for that matter. You know, he does um, have a kind of low energy um, and um, almost deadpan delivery um, in his humor that he also kind of bleeds into his singing. So, yeah, he's different by all accounts. All right. So Terry Hall was born March 19th, 1959 in Coventry. Uh, He is of a family of German-Jewish descent. We don't know a whole lot about his early life. However, he has said in interviews that while he was on a trip to France when he was 12 years old, he was abducted and sexually abused. And unfortunately, that really led to a spiral of depression for him that was lifelong. He dropped out of school at age 14. He said, I was sort of drugged up then on Valium for about a year and I didn't go to school. Wow. I mean, just what a what a horrible thing to happen at such a young age. Uh, Yeah, of course it would be. And uh, like you said, it did inform the problems that he had the rest of his life. No doubt was uh, a key aspect of his personality. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that a lot of that pain that he felt really got poured into his lyrics. And I think we're going to see that when we start to talk about his musical career here. And why don't we? So, um, yes, like Terry said, he dropped out of school at the age of 14, uh, bounced around from uh, what is told from miserable job to miserable job. And at a certain point, um, gained an affinity for music. And that's about the time he started with a band called The Squad. That was about, uh, I think, late 1977. I think he started with them. And he's making a name a bit around Coventry. And they release a song, Red Alert, in 1978. Polly. What's that? <laughs> I had never heard this song before. I had never heard the squad before. Holy cow. That's really, really good. And it really fits very squarely into the late seventies punk rock movement that was happening at the time. Right. I mean, right alongside, you know, the sex pistols, the buzzcocks, all of these, you know, groups that were so big, this seems like it would have fit right in. I'm surprised that they weren't bigger than they were. 
Well, I think for all intents and purposes, when he joined the specials, that band more or less fizzled after that, if they went on and on at all. Mm. Um, I'm, not, I'm not that familiar with the story. Red Alert is about, uh, I think, the only song that's kind of like kicking around the interwebs, too. Um, I'd be happy to be wrong about that. But yeah, I wasn't very familiar with the squad. I'd probably only read about it. But when the interwebs started, you know, being a thing and everybody started you know, uh, putting their favorite straight from VHS sort of videos on there. Um, yeah, I think at some point I went and found that red alert and yeah, you're not wrong. Fantastic. Uh, you could say, yeah, the timing would probably be that this is the first generation of kids that are going to sex pistols and damn shows and Ramon shows and things like that. And, uh, being inspired to start their own band and, I'm just going to go out on Lynn and say that's what happened with the squad. But I digress. We were talking about 1978, and that is when Jerry Dahmers recruited Terry to sing with the specials. Now, we're all familiar pretty well with this special story. Jerry started Two-Tone as a way to, God, how, how to best describe it, sort of a pet project to get music out there that he loved, but no doubt it was going to be a vehicle for the specials as well. And so, what are they going to do? They're going to release a single of their own. And Gangsters was the first single that the specials released. So Gangsters, as we all know and love, uh, that went into the top 10 in the UK almost upon release. Now, it established the group and the label as kind of heavy hitters in sort of the harbingers of the new thing, which uh, the Sky Revival was going to prove to be in those few years um, at the turn of the decade. Now, you can't leave it at just having a record. So inevitably, a band has to go on tour. And the two-tone acts did that in full. Now, uh, we do know that our boys Madness went on tour with those guys at one point. Famously getting in all sorts of shenanigans and trouble with the law. Um, but, you know, it gets uh, they branch out a little bit from there, too. On a two-tone tour, Terry struck up a relationship with Jane Weedlin of the Go-Go's. So, uh, yeah, very, very brief relationship between Terry and Jane. Jane said on Twitter when she learned of Terry's death just a few weeks ago, gutted to hear of the passing of Terry Hall. He was a lovely, sensitive, talented, and unique person. Our extremely brief romance resulted in the song Our Lips Are Sealed, which will forever tie us together in music history. Terrible news to hear this. And so, for the next few years, the Specials were one of the most popular and influential bands in the UK. 
And of course, they were influential here in the United States as well. As it turns out, they scored a streak of seven straight top 10 hits. In the UK. Yeah. Altogether, pretty, pretty big deal. Did they have any songs that charted here in the U.S.? I don't think they did, did they? I don't believe so. So they're really not as well known in the U.S., unfortunately. Regular listeners of the podcast by now will know we've spoken with Rhoda Docker by now, as well as Roddy Byers. I'll pretty well tell the same sort of story. You know, that's a fury-filled couple of years that the specials had. Um, and tensions were high, a lot of animus in the group. And, uh, you know, boy, it just was not built to last. Uh, we don't want to go into detail about that. That's not the point of the episode. But nonetheless, we know how the story goes. There's a breakup pretty much. Just prior to that, their swan song, Ghost Down. We're all familiar with that. Let's take a listen. in the guy ritchie film snatch i i i don't recall that movie oh it's such a good movie okay no it's really a good movie you see it. <laughs> okay but um tell us about ghost town polly oh sure so ghost town uh you know um it's got that famous uh god what do they call it the devil's court or some such thing like that that um uh guitarist i feel uh find notoriously hard to play very different song very very much um off kilter not of the mainstream but still did really really well uh, it spent three weeks at number one in the uk in the summer of 1981 unbelievable who, I mean, who would have thought that song with that sort of styling would chart at all much less three weeks at number one after the release of Ghost Down, Terry took the other two vocalists, Linval Golding and Neville Staples. They departed the specials and they formed Fun Boy 3. So I'm excited here because as our uh, listeners probably know, I don't personally care for the specials, but I love Fun Boy 3. And I think maybe part of the reason is Fun Boy 3 is a lot more on the alternative side of things and a lot less ska. But, I mean, they still keep some of their, you know, ska vibe, but it's a lot more a lot more on the alternative spectrum, I think. So, Perry, Linval, and Neville, a.k.a. Funboy 3, released their first single called The Lunatics Have Taken Over the Asylum shortly after they left the specials in 1981. Their first album, called Funboy 3, came out in March of 1982, And they charted in early 82 with the single, It Ain't What You Do, It's The Way That You Do It, 
which was a duet with Bananarama, and it's a cover of an old Jimmy Lunsford song. Let's take a listen. I love that one. That's a, it's, I, I think this was probably the first Fun Boy 3 song I'd ever heard. Legend has it that Terry had seen Bananarama in an issue of The Face magazine and as a result reached out to them and invited them to record. Later on, Fun Boy 3 would return the favor and sing on the Bananarama song, really saying something. Also around this time, there was still some involvement with the Madness guys if you watch the madness video for driving in my car, Linval, Neville, and Terry have a cameo in the video. They're hitchhiking and holding up a sign that says Coventry. And our boys in madness returned the favor and appeared in their video for the telephone always rings. I, I'll, I'll interject something as well there. Sure. You know, the, the, the boys and girls in England weren't the only people that fun boy three collaborated with or maybe collaborate is not quite the right word but um they were also um an opening act for madonna i believe on a 1983 tour oh were they really yeah oh see i didn't know that well speaking of 1983 and speaking of collaborations with american artists uh their next album called waiting was a collaboration with david byrne of talking heads and that album came out in March of 1983. Waiting included the Fun Boy 3 single, Our Lips Are Sealed. So as we previously mentioned, you know, this was written with Jane Weedlin of the Go-Go's. The Go-Go's previously had a top 20 hit here in the U.S. with the song in 1981. But here is the Fun Boy 3 version of Our Lips Are Sealed. did tour the u.s after the release of the single and unfortunately they did break up shortly afterwards one of the things that i really love about fun boy three and i think you alluded to this earlier in the episode polly is terry's delivery almost seems kind of detached almost like 
he's not taking himself too seriously. And it actually, in a way, kind of reminds me a little bit of some of the like other alternative artists at the time, like Robert Smith of The Cure. And I imagine I'm going to get a lot of flack for mentioning Terry Hall and Robert Smith in the same breath. But I mean, even if you look at pictures of Terry from around this time, there's some similarity in their appearance. They're both wearing very heavy eyeliner. They both have like the kind of wild, crazy hair. And I mean, Terry Hall, I think, would have like easily fit in at any kind of goth club at the time, you know? Again, you know, I, I don't care for the specials. I love Fun Boy 3. So very grateful to Terry for all his work with that band. Yes, I, I absolutely love Fun Boy 3. Um, and I don't tend to gravitate towards that much to the poppy end of things, which they, by all means, were trying to do. But um, I think the three of them felt, as one would, that they really have to distinguish themselves from the specials. The specials were the archetypes for the Sky Revival. You know, they they didn't create, but they definitely were the prime movers in the Sky Revival. You don't just leave them and do the same old thing. So yeah, I, I'm sure it's pretty strategic, the direction that Fun Boy 3 went. And yeah, you you made some good points about the similarities between he and Robert Smith. But if you look at a single like Our Lips Are Sealed, look at the notable differences between that version and the Go-Go's. Slow, droning, almost tube and throat singing sort of background vocals. Yeah, Terry's style fits beautifully on that and you know his deadpan his low energy sort of delivery of things still very purposeful so i I would argue that his vocal style has a tendency to let the musicianship show through yes in the music and um, and the lyrics absolutely you know and and that kind of deadpan detached delivery from what I understand from everybody that knew him, it masked a wicked sense of humor. You know, he, he did not take himself too seriously. So, oh, and, and and the other thing worth noting too, kind of going back to what you said just a second ago, Polly, about how they're kind of getting away from that ska revival sound. Madness was doing something very similar at this time. Madness was really kind of getting away from the pure ska sound and moving more into pop as well. So I think there's kind of this parallel evolution here between what Madness were doing. I mean, granted, they were taking it in a slightly different direction, but you can still kind of see how there's this overlap with the way both bands are evolving. Oh, absolutely. And and that has as much to do with money and production as anything else. Mm, Yeah. Anything, any of the subgenres of punk are all based off that DIY, you know, kind of do shoestring budget kind of thing. Yes. Once that's gone, the need for that's gone away, it's no wonder that people kind of find their feet and are able to experiment and work a little bit harder and bring in a little bit more of what's new and modern then. So, yeah, it's bound to happen. Okay. So, as we mentioned, shortly after their U.S. tour in 1983, Fun Boy 3 did break up, but that wasn't the end of things for Terry Hall, was it? So, no, Terry was by no means done. And in 1984, Terry's in Manchester. 
and he catches up with Toby Lyons and Carl Shale. Now, if you're not familiar with them, you may remember them as members of the Swinging Cats. They decide they're going to call themselves the Color Field, and in 1985, they release the album Virgins and Philistines, which included the single Thinking of You. It's a friendship's built on trust And that's something you never do Well who knows, maybe tomorrow We can share each other's sorrows And compare our graveside manner As we wave our lonely banners If you ever think of me I'll be thinking of you so I confess, I'd heard of the color field before, but I'd never heard anything by them. So this is actually the first time I'm hearing this. Yeah, I, I've never bought any color field albums. And honestly, I wouldn't refer back to Thinking View or, or play it had it not appeared on a great deal of playlists around Terry Hall or the specials. It shows up actually on a couple of madness radio type things every once in a while. So that's kind of how I've become familiar with it is probably in the last five or six years. Okay. So these guys were not crazy about the direction that Jerry Dahmer's wanted to go with the specials was, was to become slightly more orchestrated. And a lot of these, the guys kind of said like, we're doing like elevator music. Now, I don't want to rank on the color field, but thinking of you has all the elements going on of uh, a type of easy listening song in that really sing song melody earworm type of thing. So I find a slight bit of irony that if you think going from the specials to Fun Boy 3 was going in a very regressive manner, if um, lighter music wasn't your thing. Wow, the color field really delivered that in spades. So after Virgins and Philistines, is it Philistines, Philistines? I, I happen to know from being a public radio listener that okay. both are correct <laughs> pronunciations. Okay, all right, all right, that's fair. <laughs> um, after that album, they released an EP in 1986 called The Color Field, and that was notable because some of the tracks on that EP were produced by Ian Broody who we know as the genius behind the lightning seeds. And we'll talk a little bit more about Ian coming up in a bit. And then in 1987, they released one more LP called The Deception. Okay, so after The Color Field, Terry teamed up with American actress Blair Booth and jeweler Anuchka Groshi? Grossi? I'm probably slaughtering your name. I'm so sorry. Uh, that was in late 1989, as I mentioned, and uh, they became known as Terry, Blair, and Anuchka. So their debut single, Missing, was released in autumn of 1989, and it peaked in the UK at number 75. Let's listen. 
so much love enough to last a hundred years lives we had so many lives how come they turned into tears since you've been gone So the trio's second single, Ultra Modern Nursery Rhyme, reached number 77 in the UK. Not really, just barely kind of skirting the the outside of the, the, the charts there. They released an album in February of 1990 called Ultra Modern Nursery Rhymes, but it wasn't really very successful, and the group split shortly afterwards. But this, again, still was not the end of Terry's collaborations with other artists, not by a long shot. No. And yes, the story of Terry Hall continues. And in 1992, he forms a sort of supergroup, if you call that, because it's only two guys. But it's with another, another heavy hitter. And one of my favorites, it's Dave Stewart from the Eurythmics. And they form Vegas. So Vegas, I, I'm ashamed to say I'm not super, super familiar with it. But uh, there's probably a reason why. Uh, maybe the expectations were too great, but God, this project just did not take off the ground, really. Uh, they released a self-titled album. Not that big of a hit. However, one of the singles, Possessed, made the UK Top 40. You know, as you mentioned, really not that successful, which a, a duo of this kind of pedigree, you would have expected it to be a lot bigger than it was. But maybe that was by design. You know, maybe maybe they were not looking for that kind of attention commercially. Maybe they were looking to just kind of collaborate artistically. I'd be very curious to know. Dave Stewart, as you know, Polly, at the time was married to Siobhan Fahey of Bananarama. Yeah. And we know that Bananarama had collaborated with Funboy 3 previously. So I'd be curious to know how this collaboration came about. Did Siobhan introduce them? 
or was it just like a coincidence or were there other connections? I mean, I, I, I want to know more here. And I, I did some digging online, but I really couldn't find out how this duo came about. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've, I've never really heard the story. Like I said, I didn't follow Vegas too, too much. Um, and so subsequently don't know a great deal about it, but I'm, I'm kind of surprised because um, Dave Stewart is a fantastic producer. Let's face it. He was a solid hit maker, both as a musician and as a producer with the rhythmic. So I, I don't know. You would think that uh, he would have had that magic, but just wasn't working for that project. So also in 1992, besides collaborating with the legendary Dave Stewart, Terry also collaborated with Ian Broody. Ian had previously been in a band called Big in Japan and was now uh, starting a new band called The Lightning Seeds. Actually, this would have been the, the band's second album since which came out in 1992. And Terry co-wrote three of the songs on the album, Where Colors Fade, A Small Slice of Heaven, and the title track, Sense. I'm kind of ashamed to admit, I did not know who Terry Hall was in 1992. This album was, I was oh, so in love with this album. I would say this was probably my most played album in 1992. But I'd never heard of him. So as far as I was concerned, it was just some guy on the the who had a writing credit. You know, I didn't discover Fun Boy 3 until about 97 or 98. So, you know, I'm always a little behind the curve. Absolutely brilliant songwriting on the part of both gentlemen. And Terry also sang backing vocals on the album since. And in fact, if you look at the music video for Sense, you'll see Terry in the elevator. I wouldn't even call it a cameo appearance. I mean, because he's there for most of the video. So this was definitely a um, significant collaboration. We'd mentioned previously that Terry had worked some with Ian Broody in 1986 on the Colorfield EP. And uh, now that collaboration has come full circle. Yeah, and Sense was a landmark album. If you think about 1992 when grunge and everything is breaking, it's remarkable that uh, an album like that could resonate so much and not be obscured by everything that's going on. But I absolutely, I still pull that album out probably at a rate of you know, once, maybe twice a year, just absolutely stunning. And, you know, the lyrics, especially to the song Sense, we're going to listen to it in a few minutes here. The lyrics are so beautiful. I, I, I don't know which lyrics were, were Terry's and which were Ian's, but just the way the song begins, I'm flying high on something beautiful and nameless. It's got a name, but I prefer to call it nameless. So beautiful. Such a beautiful love song. After the Lightning Seeds collaboration, Ian Broody would go on to produce Terry's first solo album in 1994, which was called Home. Home also featured Les Pattinson, who was the bassist from Echo and the Bunnymen. And the highlight of this particular album was the single Sense which reached number 54 on the UK singles chart. So, you know, previously he'd sung back up on the Lightning Seeds version, which 
I, I do prefer. But here, this is Terry's solo version of Sense. that song it is great great song so just following the release of sense comes a 1995 ep called rainbows now this was a collaboration with damon alburn of blur it reached number 62 on the uk singles charts okay and then we had his most successful solo album which was 1997's laugh it reached number 50 on the uk albums chart and it includes the top 50 UK single, Ballad of a Landlord. Let's listen. So the prodigal returns. I guess the pleasure's not enough. Did he promise you the earth? A world of beauty and the bluff. I tried to tell the garden. Until the flowers fell to weed So now the place lies in a ruin The way you lied and ruined Well, you, you want to talk about a departure, Polly, from the specials kind of sound. You can't get much further, like completely diametrically opposed to some of his earlier sound. But again, I think this is really showing his gift as a songwriter. And for somebody who has been through everything that he went through in his life with the depression, with the molestation and everything, and... To come out of it, I think, so completely in touch with his feelings and to be able to pour his heart into his songwriting the way he did. I mean, I, I'm really starting to appreciate now as a result of us researching this episode, really just what a talented songwriter he was. Yes, I think it's a fine offering. I'm a little disappointed that it only reached number 50, uh, rather the single Battle uh, Ballad of a Landlord only reached number 50. I kind of thought even at that point, like his um, name would have enough gravitas to elevate almost any single to higher than that. But nonetheless, that's where it landed. I think one of the things that we've talked about before in, in connection with Madness 
is sometimes the fans don't want their artists to evolve and to change. And I think a lot of Terry Hall's core fan base still wanted him to do ska, still wanted him to be writing, you know, like he did in the specials. Maybe that's part of the reason why this wasn't bigger than it was, because it was such a deviation from where he had started. Well, Lori, you just said that you didn't think that laugh could be um, any more of departure for Terry Hall, but wait. In 2003, Terry does a collaboration with MC Mushtaq. Now, those of you who aren't familiar with Mushtaq, he is a Bangladeshi and Iranian producer, DJ, all-around multi-musician. And they come up with a critically acclaimed offering in the form of the Hour of Two Lights album. It received generally great reviews. And we're going to take a listen to They Gotta Quit Kicking My Dog. <laughs> I never would have known that that was uh, a Terry Hall if you hadn't had told me. Yeah, so he he barely features in it at all. You can hear some sort of background, you know, I wouldn't even call it vocals, but chanting sort of thing like that. Um, why I picked this song in particular um, and not uh, Gathering Storm, which is probably the noteworthy track off of that album, is that I was lucky enough to be uh, sort of, you know, dicking around Camden Town and um, searching for any sort of two-tone records that I could find. And uh, funny thing, uh, two-tone records, uh, madness, all the great, you know, stuff that we love does not stick around in record shops, as it turns out, um, in the UK. Uh, they're not the sort of things to get traded in. And if they do, they get snatched up really quickly. So I was striking out left and right, trying to, you know, uh, I was viewing it as kind of like uh, my uh, my pilgrimage to the motherland kind of thing. You know, I was dying to have that great, uh, you know, UK Sky Revival moment by all my favorite stuff. And it wasn't there. But uh, in looking in a bin under the specials, which was empty save for this one thing. And so I was kind of like, wow, what is that? And I remembered that there's an old folk song called You Gotta Quit Kicking My Dog that has multiple, multiple, multiple versions of it. And this is kind of like an instrumental reworking of that. It's Of course, it's got that Middle Eastern flair that Mushtaq would bring to it, but it's also got a bit of like Casablanca gypsy jazz kind of thing going on with it, Django Reinhardt esque sort of. 
and it's really infectious, a great, great version, as is Gathering Storm. So people should definitely check. If you're going to get into a deep dive of anything we're talking about today, I definitely suggest this. Go find The Hour of Two Lights. It will not disappoint. Oh, I love that kind of Middle Eastern, you know, fusion kind of music. Well, I mean, you know, we've talked about how I used to belly dance and stuff. So I, I'm going to get my... uh <laughs> Get my get my zills out, get my hip scarf out, and you know, start grooving. Anyway, uh, Polly, I don't know if you mentioned the Hour of Two Lights was actually Terry's last release of new material, at least until the specials encore album in 2019, which we're going to talk about. But he did continue to collaborate with other artists, and I was actually very surprised to learn about some of these collaborations. Especially gorillas. And now gorillas are huge. Terry did guest vocals on the song 9-11 by Gorillas and D12. And that was back in 2001. That was right after the World Trade Center. Junkie XL is another artist that uh, he had a guest appearance on. He did guest vocals on the song Never Alone in 2003. And Polly, one of your favorites, Toots and the Maytals. Terry was a guest artist on the 2004 song Never Grow Old, along with the Scottalites and You, Roy. The album True Love that this song was on actually won a Grammy for Best Reggae Album. Let's listen a little bit to Never Grow Old. We're ready, we're ready. I didn't realize that Toots was uh, still recording back in 2004. That was kind of cool. And uh, finally, the Dub Pistols. Terry provided guest vocals on several tracks on their 2007 album, Speakers and Tweeters. So 2008 rolls around, and the boys from the specials are speaking with each other, and they decide they want to reunite. Now, they're not able to bring Jerry Dammers along for it, but they decided that they would tour in 2009. Now, Dammers did own the rights to the name The Specials, so they were billed as very special guests. But in 2019, they're granted the name The Specials again, and they released the album Encore. Now, the new album, uh, like we said, did not feature Jerry Dahmer's, but it was still released as the specials, and it ended up being their highest charting album. 
let's take a listen to my favorite song from that album, Blam Blam Fever. So, Lori, uh, before I embarrass you, actually, do, do you know what Blam Blam Fever is? I have absolutely no idea what Blam Blam Fever is. Will you tell me? <laughs> okay, sure. So, uh, you can cut that out. I don't no, know. I want to keep it in. I think it's great. <laughs> so, Blam Blam Fever is uh, a lovely little pop ditty that was um, released in the late 60s by the Jamaican Act of Valentine's. So they're 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 a lot like uh, the Stax Records band, like you know Donald Duck Dunn and Steve Cropper and whatever like oh, that. Oh yeah, they're yeah, a, yeah. They're they're on just a ton of ton of recordings. I think they were the Imperials or something like that. Not the little Anthony and the Imperials, but I I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm on a tangent here and I'm going off the notes, people. So, anyways, the Valentine's release, Blam Blam Fever, which is a song kind of all about the troubles with the economics and stuff like that in jamaica and about the prominence of gun violence and so they've got you know all oh. of these uh yeah they've got blam blam these... is gun blam 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 yeah 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 okay yeah so they've got all of these um you know lyrics talking about every time you look in the newspaper blah 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 you see that somebody is getting killed by guns and on and on and on so great poignant you know really impressive song and super super catchy so the specials are recording encore and they want to do a take on that and they're really great about doing the song a fairly faithful rendition but they add in new verses talking about uh, the state of gun violence these days you know, talking about AR-15s and school shootings and stuff like that. Great. It's not that fun, but it's important. And you really do need a band like the Specials, I feel, to uh, kind of do something like that without making it cheesy. And it's just a fantastic version. I absolutely love it. But it's also not the only great song on there. Also on the album, they had done reworkings of Fun Boy 3's lunatics and they also did embarrassed by you and that's kind of really a take on uh the modern ne'er-do-well youth in the uk and i really like that and i really think we should listen you make your living by robbing from others pull up your hoodies are you undercover Stop. 
So Encore ends up being a huge success. And we were fortunate enough to have the specials, this version, toward the United States and a great deal of the world in support of that album. So hot off the heels of that, these guys are jazzed. Uh, they've got the creative juices flowing and they want to do something else. But we all know what happens about that time. The pandemic hits. And in 2020, they get together and are brainstorming ideas. Uh, you know, the rise of the Black Lives Matter movement and a lot of social turmoil happened mid-pandemic. And these guys, you know, were probably touched by that a great deal. They decided what they want to do is an album of protest songs. And they do quite literally that. So the protest songs album comes out in 2021. And off of the specials, protest songs 1924 to 2012, is a song by my hero and I hope yours, Frank Zappa, called Trouble Every Day. career retrospective on the late Terry Hall. As we mentioned, Terry did suffer from lifelong depression. Now, what many people didn't know is that he did attempt suicide in 2004. After that suicide attempt, he did seek treatment and he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And unfortunately, this last December 19th, he was taken from us. Uh, it was pancreatic cancer. Yes, uh, the best um, I've been able to find out is that he had known he had been sick for some time, but that uh, it was the level of sickness that didn't prevent him from making plans, and they were planning on doing more projects with the specials and uh, perhaps even touring. So what I believe had happened was it got uh, this existing condition, then got really bad really quick and subsequently was what caused his passing. Yeah. So, you know, very sad, very sad loss for the music community. I mean, who knows what other brilliant songwriting, you know, he may have gone on to do if he'd still been with us. So tell us about our closing song today, Polly. Uh, well, it happens to be my favorite special song. But um, it's also probably one of their more poignant ones. And it's one of the ones I think uh, after an event like this, uh, you've kind of got to go with. And it's you're wondering now. All right. On that note, thank you again for listening. And uh, we'll be back in two weeks with another episode. So it's a goodbye for me. And that's a goodbye for me. Go get a beer stateside madness for Terry. You can't come in. You can't come in.
to do Now you know this is the end You're wondering now what to do Now you know this is the end